Welcome to Overlooked. My name is Pooja Advani. My guest today is a person who has dedicated her life in the welfare of our puppies. So much so, she flew all the way to Florida, USA to train under the famous dog whisperer Cesar Milan. She's also one of the founders of an NGO called Animal Adoption and Care. Apart from all of this, she feeds about 120 Indies every single day from the back of her car. She is Niharika Gandhi. Hi Niharika, welcome. It's so wonderful to have you here today. I feel very fortunate and grateful for being here. Thank you. So I would like to know what actually led you to do this. So um I I can't even remember how many years it was, but I was a little girl and uh I was in uh one of my hometowns called Nainital, which is way up north. And I was probably 5 or 6 years old and uh there was a little puppy stuck in a ditch and I could hear her crying uh all night and it was really cold and it, there had been like a hailstorm and uh, without uh, listening to the, the grandparents saying not to go out at night or whatever at 10 once everyone fell asleep i went out through a window fell into the flower pots that was so cold and went there and looked and found this little probably 2 month old uh, bootia kind of looking hairy cute puppy and that was the day uh, i brought my first rescue home so was that the way you started rescuing and um, th- was that what motivated you that was you? my first rescue but there again you know life has so many different channels you're growing up you go through school you have college you meet a guy you get married you have babies it's it's like a whole enchilada which you need to take a bite off without you know messing around and uh, what i would say is in the last maybe 12 years is the consistency of what i do with uh, you know an amplified dedication uh which was pretty random earlier like you know if i'm traveling down a particular road and i happen to see a dog i would be carrying food and you know drop in a puppy pouch or drop in you know whatever roti sabzi whatever is there in the car if it's if i'm you know out of dog food or whatever but it was never a really thought of uh process in my life it's not something that was my calling that happened about 12 years ago and there again you know nature played a great part i was out on a walk in the monsoon and uh, my battery died down in spite of charging uh, the device i was using mm. and as soon as it stopped i heard the cries and that was daisy and rosy uh, which started my feeding program my spay and neuter because their mother came under my wing i started with like five dogs maybe 10 years ago and the 5 became 6 the 6 became 12 the 12 became 19 and 20 and in about 2016 i peaked to 156 dogs under my daily care and uh, i've never looked back today i'm up to 118 120 uh under and daily home cooked food so and you do this care. on a daily basis absolutely and how do you do it so what is your day to day routine when you have to do it and and we would i i would also like to know the kind of dedication that actually goes into it oh it's a lot but i have uh, you know when you are feeding 15 dogs it is difficult because even making sure that they are well fed you know good nutritious food and you're not just uh, sorry but dropping biscuits you know which bills no, okay. may a lot of whatever. them do that yeah yeah but it's it's like uh, 
I don't know. It's like doing something because you're guilty and doing something because you're conscious. So what I feed today is very consciously, you know, uh, there are old stalwarts, you know, in our, in our welfare who've been doing what I've been doing for 40 years. Mm. And they are the ones who tell you add the turmeric and make sure that there's this and make sure there's some, you know, that and make sure you add salt when it's very hot so that, you know, they get a little, uh, hydration Hydrations. from the foods. Mm. So all of that plus today the world is your internet, you know. Everything is available there. True. So, uh, it, today I'm an extremely dedicated and conscious, uh, feeder. I don't litter. Uh, every bowl is picked up and brought home and the back of my Honda City is completely fitted for the containers to fit so that they don't spoil and spill the car. And, uh, uh I have ammunition, which is, uh, <laughs> which is the feeder's card, which is extremely important, especially when you have people telling you, don't do this and why why don't you take the dogs home it's like can i take in 120 so, dogs yeah home? like yeah. coming back to the fact that uh, there's a lot of cases that we have actually been seeing where a lot of feeders get physically assaulted or yeah. there is abused hurled at them for for something as noble as feeding any yeah. indie dog yeah. um my my take on this which is actually absolutely unnecessary secondly what i feel is that wouldn't that work as a demotivational factor so at it, some point so, for someone to do it? So I just honestly feel each one of us when born, I think most of our parents make us grow up with the good always triumphs over evil. But somewhere along the way, a lot of people forget about that. Some of us who don't forget that the good is always going to be higher, larger, winner of the evil. Uh, and you have proper belief in it and you absolutely feel that. So moving ahead with something like that, I don't come across any hurdles that I cannot cross over. Agreed. But that is your take on yes, it, right? That's yes. the way you look at yes. it. Um, say, if, say tomorrow, if I have to do something like that, my, my thought process is always, if I come across someone like this, what is it that I can do? To firstly safeguard myself or maybe safeguard a fellow person if something like that happens. So see, we are actually living in a country in which the laws for our animals are extremely uh, protective and um, um, extremely concentrated on, on making sure that every being that breathes on our soil is well looked after. Whether it's followed or not, is, is a separate uh, ball game and a separate topic that we could touch on at any other time. There are two ways to uh, tackle something that is coming on to you. You know, at that time when somebody is, is vicious and somebody is, uh, you know, abusive, you can either retaliate, and I've learned this from dogs, okay? There's mm. always flight, fight, or avoidance. Exactly. So initially, it's probably the avoidance, you know, you let go of it and you walk away. Let that person also calm down, whatever has triggered this kind of hate. The other way is taking it up legally. I mean, today I have a feeder's card. If someone tells me, you can't feed in my building, I say, well, then you feed. But the dog cannot go hungry, you know? And, uh, and, uh, 
The third thing is, yeah, like I said, take it to to your cops today. Today, our polices are really well uh, versed. If they don't know, have those email IDs before you speak, speak to, them, to them. You know, so that they are well aware. I had someone say, you know, I sent them a notice because they were stopping me from coming in from one of the NGOs, and uh, they got very rattled by the fact that they got something, uh, you know, in writing to their society. So they went, they said, what should we do? We'll go to the cops. And it's like two buildings away from me. And he called me and I said, I'm not right now in the vicinity, but yes, before the day ends, I will visit. Mm. And I visited him, sat down across. And before I got into uh, like a confrontational attitude or aggression, which I had a lot of initially, <laughs> but I was so calm and I asked him one question that why would you coerce me into an act of cruelty when I'm brimming with this kind of compassion? Why would you do it? Do something. Is like it that. because your wife beats you at home? I mean, there, there, <laughs> there are various, there are various reasons where this is a reaction and not an action. Agreed. Because if you're aware of a lifestyle or you're, you know, we are all aware that Dogs will bite, dogs carry diseases, dogs is this. But at the same time, we are also aware that young, uh, you know, female dogs, goats, cows, they're all getting raped and killed heinously. I mean, who's the animal here is your basic question. But it's basically the mob mentality yes. that starts coming in during the, when yes. they have to come into yes. the space. Yes. So a silent mob or a silent march is what the compassionate do. You know, you've been seeing it in the past few, uh, horrible incidences so that have happened, happened towards yeah. uh, towards animals but uh, you know we have we have been speaking amongst us uh, trying to raise a voice or you know but we are not shouting at the other person that's the huge difference between the animal hater should i put it as and the animal lover um, you know so do you believe that everybody has that little bit of compassion at some levels of course and so, where does that compassion go when we are dealing with animals? If we believe that every human being at some level has compassion, yeah? and so there are certain people who have, who, who do heinous acts, right? Yeah. And they just do it for the heck of it because they yeah. think they can actually get away with it. True. And you see kids doing it. And, and then you have parents that probably, when it comes to kids, when you have parents saying, no, it cannot be my child. And so at that point of time, I'm always left wondering that where did that compassion go? Because each one of us at some level has it. Where did it go? And why is it differing towards a human being to or for an animal? And be it any animal, yeah. be it bird, animal, reptile, anything. Why would it differ? Where did that level of compassion start to differ? So daily frustrations, I mean... Uh, uh, our wants, I won't use the word desires, but our wants today and our aspirations have got so much of light where we want to be, where what we want to achieve, what car we want to drive, what home you want to live at, you know, what address you have, what jewelry you wear, what everything, whether it's a woman, even a little kid, he's asking for a, a damn cell phone at the age of seven, seven. you know, it's and they're moving around with iPhones. Yeah. That's, that's the irony of it. So, yeah. so a lot of human beings may it be anyway. See, cruelty and compassion is not, um, uh, 
magnified in say a city or a continent or it's supposed to be worldwide all over the planet exactly you know so today's day and age when you want to be you want to have uh you want to possess and everything that belongs to you makes you who you are but there are some of us you know people like you people like me and there's so many of us waking up that we are what we do you know which the other person very easily forgets there are people who can commit the worst thing maybe to the closest person you know their wife their parent their ch- child or whatever and that person will never know but your self worth within yourself when you stand in front of the mirror you just put it away so i would say the cost of guilt is really cheap today nobody is feeling Feel bad. bad about yes. things happening yeah. and like i told you earlier you know it's always the i before the i in a lot of people so when you see and you know what is needed when you give off of yourself and not uh just be taking 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 i don't need to do what i'm doing i mean i could probably just feed a couple of dogs that are around my building my building has cats i feed cats too so whatever you know and i'm i'm helping in uh, in in uh, if i'm driving somewhere or i have a particular destination but it doesn't step there because when i leave home when i'm standing in the balcony when i'm talking on the phone when i'm hearing you know something on television or watching it on my phone the consciousness of your being is always awake and when that is awake you can be aware of many things but do nothing about it that's true you know and that doesn't make you uh being human that just makes you a human being so coming back to um your feeding program yeah and you have another program where you do a lot of sterilization yeah. drives yeah. right yeah um tell us about your sterilization drives okay so um i was not the one who started spay and neuter because face it 10 11 years ago i wasn't uh even aware that this would be a major uh, plus point for not having street dogs you know or 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 uh, indies as you as you put it and uh, as you get um, you know knowing fully well there's a set of puppies here they don't have one child they have they five have litter, yeah. they have six they have 10 so you know <coughs> immediately that in this spot that you have fed five dogs suddenly they there are 11 10, dogs yeah. you know so that's what wakes you up and i had uh, you know the uh, great fortune of meeting somebody who walked up to me and said you know these dogs are also friendly with you uh, they come into your arms you know they they listen to you they don't fight uh why don't you help me uh in sterilizing the dogs that i've been doing in the last 2 years this happened maybe 11 years ago and i said sure you know so he says uh, i'll let you know the areas we need you in i said you need to let me know you need to give me a week to befriend the dogs you know feed hmm. them and uh, it started and uh, today we've done uh, in hiranandani gardens itself close to 1100 dogs and a lot of uh, a lot of support from my builder uh, uh, you know their office mm. their workers if there's uh, you know a new dog come into the vicinity whose ear is not clipped there is always someone who calls me and says 
uh, ma'am, can you help us? You know, this this is a female dog. She will have a litter, and they are there to point out the dog to me. It takes me about a week to befriend them. You know, whole food, and then you pick them up and they go. So, according to you, do you think these sterilization programs that are happening should happen more frequently? Oh yes, and I will be. Uh, you know. I'm I'm really overjoyed to share that in the last maybe year or so, uh, I have had the fortune of meeting so many like-minded people in my own complex, who are now doing what I did and started ten years ago, right. and they're all gung ho about it, getting up at eight in the morning, reaching the spots with food, you know, befriending the dogs, getting to know them. So let's move to. Uh, you being a pet therapist and canine behaviorist, yeah. How did that start? And you, I know, have gone and trained with Caesar Milan. Oh, yeah. What led you to do that? Okay. So, um, being an energy worker and always say, you know, I grew up and I still live with the feel. What I put out always hmm. comes back to me, no matter what, no matter whatever hardships you go through. If you don't let them pull you down, you're always standing. It's it's that way, so I didn't even realize that this is um, you know going to be a major part of me. But when rescue became and caregiving became who I am, I realized I could do whatever I wanted, and these dogs are not even mine. They have one advantage: they are not spoiled by the human. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so besides besides that, uh, besides that, I really you know uh, felt that if you know, like a hundred and a hundred dogs, or eighty dogs, or I think I, I had I had seventy dogs when I met Caesar Milan the first time. And um, I remember I was, um, I was starting Doggy Dog World at that point of time, and I remember having a conversation with you. Okay. And you were actually two thousand fourteen. Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. You were actually planning to go for okay. this program. Okay. I remember having that conversation with you at that point of time. So all this kind of awareness really got into me that maybe I can, you know, help pets so that again it's a big part of rescue to right. train to train exactly you to know. understand how which dog and how to approach them with yes and and also people who adopt by whatever they have pets living with them. You know, and they don't know how to bring up the dog. They have, they don't know about limitations. They don't know about boundaries. They don't know about respecting the fact that this is an animal. They just humanize everything, and then they can't handle it. And then the dog is left on the road, or is put up for adoption, or is just given to the maid and the driver. Up, rakho. You know that kind. We've had so many incidences like that, and uh, and um, so and plus there was one major. Uh, what should I say? Drawback: the respect for mankind kept decreasing as much as my respect for the animal started, started to increase. And that's when I, you know, said I'd love to do something like this. And uh, 2013, uh, it was what should I say? Like destiny. I heard about Caesar, and I was would watch his uh, videos, and uh, there was something that I found. Uh, that was so um, unturnable by me was the fact that he believed so much in his own energies, right. which is exactly what I am. So I did my first certification with him in his DPC center in Florida and Davie, mm. and I did the second certification at his ranch in Los Angeles, mm. which was 
out of this world experience. I was going to ask you, yeah. how was it going to the ranch? There? It's just fantastic. So I had a, I fell in love with the llama, and the llama fell in love with me. <laughs> I was not special. He loves women. Uh, you know, I met the tortoise. I met his horse. I met Molly, the controversial dog. That's the only dog that's really uh, bitten him. I think she's the only one who kisses him on his mouth. <laughs> besides his, besides Jahaira, his wife. But uh, but yeah, it's outstanding. And it's not it's not who you trained under. It's it's what you imbibe from them. That I that I completely agree with you because that's the same thing that we have and I felt because when I got trained in Singapore. Um, it was about how to deal with compassion, how to basically be in the room and the dog should know what, what is it that you want out of it. It is not about verbal um, commands or it's not about yeah. physical commands. Yeah. It's about yeah. you're there, your presence should actually tell the pet what is it that you require him to do. So I have been seeing your work over the years. I, I mean, I see your name pop up almost everywhere and... Um, what are your good and bad cases that you've actually had in, in, in dealing with uh, animal adoption and care? What I mean by bad cases is basically... Um, you mean a home? No. Uh, what I mean by that is basically, say supposedly, I find a dog. Yeah? And what are my parameters that when I'm trying to rehome the pet that I'm looking into and before rehoming that pet? Um, so, so, uh, firstly, your knowledge and your skill set should be pretty clued on to know what the energies and the nature of that particular dog is. If it's a puppy, whether it's a lab, whether it's a greyhound, whether it's an indie, whether it's a pariah from Mexico, they all have puppyhood. They all have what we call zoomies, zoomies you know, yeah. where they run around like crazy. Yeah. They all chew. They all bite. They all teeth. You know, they all shed. It's they all have poop issues. They all have pee issues. It's not Agreed. concentrated on just one thing. So when I try to fit a dog, I really use the word fit. Every dog may deserve a home, but every home may not deserve a dog, you know. And you might say, I, I would really love a little beagle pup, you know. But I work in the morning from 8 o'clock to 8 o'clock. My husband works and is 15 days in Singapore. And I have a maid, you know, the maid will look after the puppy. A week, three days, five days, next day, we get With calls. Phone calls. I can't handle it. Do you think adoption has become far more an open concept now? Um, maybe about before about five years ago? So I think today a lot of the youth is waking up uh, having larger hearts. I just saw a video uh, made uh, in Mizoram, I think, mm. or in Assam. I'm not, I'm not certain. I could be mm. wrong. But one of these uh, places mm. where five or six kids have gone with garlands and uh, trash beat drums. And they're catching the guys who are peeing against the wall and rewarding them. So it's not only, I think, adoptions, but it's also seeing that there's just a hit and run uh, and the dog is left there. You have nothing to do with that dog or you, you don't even have a car. You'll try and, you know, get somebody off of Facebook and say, help me take this dog or please can you come and help. So the reaching out and holding hands, I think, is really getting um, uh, 
really uh, well, i think yeah. it's also because of social media right yes. i think social media yes. has made a world Absolutely. a very very small Absolutely. place and the reach out is really it's quick fantastic yeah. comparatively yeah. yeah so and also i feel the generation today has has less tolerance which is a good sign where when you talk about animals because they have less tolerance for the cruelty method so you, when you go out on these marches and all you don't only see people who are you know in their 40s and 50s or 60s you see a lot of, of 20s and you see you know they are like completely vested in in the project of uh, getting justice so i'm 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 just i'm grateful every day when i wake up and uh but i have like on a personal note i have seen um where i mean because i kind of land up dealing with a lot of breed dogs right i have seen that trend kind of change over the last one one and a half years where people consciously are wanting to adopt and earlier it was as simple as i want a dog i go get a dog correct yeah now it is about i want a dog i want to go get a dog that needs me yeah and that is something uh, which is a very refreshing change of course and um, like overseas like i went i went to canada recently and it was like a mandate that every dog had to be spayed or neutered after 8 or 9 months otherwise the facilities wouldn't keep you you know keep your pet right and i re- i remember speaking to one of the owners there and i said why do you have this i mean why is it mandatory that if i if i mean spaying neutering also comes down to a personal choice why is it mandate if i need to bone they said there enough in the shelters correct why do you want to breed anymore and that was a very hard hitting statement for me because um i was like you i never thought of it that way i never thought that spaying and neutering would probably be so necessary because of course there's so many puppies that need a home of course and you're bringing in more by ignoring the fact that we need to curtail this it's like the human beings see we are the top of the food chain we have the privilege of thought we have the pri- privilege of choice which the poor animals doesn't don't. they don't uh, you know have a carnal desire like human beings they can't just mate whenever they want they have a specific time zone and the male also has uh, can only have meet uh, mating sessions with a female on heat it's not that oh my god you know there's this cute little uh, you know indie girl walking and the indie boy feels happy and they're at it no so basically nature does tell you that when dogs meet i'm talking specifically about dogs, dogs yeah is only to procreate you know thousands of years ago when we lived in caves and whatever we had our pack animals what i'm saying is let's say you know dogs arrived from wolves or you yeah. know they were mated with with different species to get uh, uh, not different species different breeds to get different breeds that we had we each had a purpose at that time so you would have uh, say a rottweiler to uh, guard your guard your prisons you know and you would have a uh, a sniffer dog say more of a, a german shepherd now coming to that when we think you know how much we as humans have actually relied on animals uh for our survival 
I'm not talking about the cruelty and the and the killing mm, and the no, eating. No. I'm talking about survival. regular survival. You know, where we would use your bullocks to make you work, so that you know you you have your farm works and you can right. feed not only your family but other families too. Without getting into that, today we are still relying on dogs as therapy dogs, as service dogs. You know, and there is no comparison. I mean, the olfactory senses of a dog, the sensors on him, is over three hundred million receptors. Agreed. Yeah. Vis-a-vis to ours, which is like between five six million, it's nothing. And the part that analyzes the the scent in their brain is forty times greater and more powerful than ours. Right. So when we train, we train. nose eyes ears this is something uh i grew up watching because the puppy's eyes would be shut but he would still find the mother's teeth and be able to nurse right even though it's not open so why would you want to change all of that today why would you want to teach your dog namaste or or uh, you know roll over or whatever why not just let him be a dog with obedience you know you don't being being a trickster is different than being a dog trainer and training for me is also a huge part of rescue for right. me it's completely interconnected so when i see a home that wants a dog that's got kids and can the dog play football and can the dog bark i mean you know they would get you know rock my dog that i passed away rock knew the difference between speak and whisper hmm. you know if i have to say you go it's a small <laughs> and when you say speak he would give a loud bark you know but I didn't get a dog and teach him to do this. It was something that happened naturally. Over no, over time. Over time, yeah. Over time, you speak to the dog. You invest your time. So families that don't have that kind of time limit, and you know they don't want the energy. They don't have the energy sometimes. They work so hard, you know, sixteen hours a day. Then you can't come and take the puppy down five times, right? Because he needs to learn to pee and poop outside. Right. So you have to find a dog that fits your lifestyle. otherwise just foster literally a huge message just keep fostering, fostering. dogs don't have It a time basically gives yeah. you also i think fostering is a great way to understand whether you're ready to have a pet or not we've been seeing a lot of uh, abandonment cases now of breed dogs um well i remember one of the people i was talking to tanran said our labs and golden retrievers are going to be our next inbreeds and that's like not too far away and there's so many times that I guess you and I also get tagged on posts where where it's like literally raining labs. Um, coming to my only thing in this is what is it that we can actually do regarding the breeding laws? Because sometimes I'm just at wit's end. I'm like, why is it that we can't put a regulation to this? Like I said, uh, we have laws, but people are not. Uh, Clued into it, people are not aware of them, and even if they are aware of it, they are not conscious about following them. We don't have strict punishments, which is mandatory. You know, it should be a huge monetary fine on someone to illegally and do backyard breeding or breeding as such, because I don't believe in ethical breeding either. I mean, I probably get shot for saying this, but <laughs> nevertheless, I don't believe in breeding dogs. We have so many that already yeah. have been bred, and so many are, that are just happening with a mistake or because you don't uh, want to spay and neuter your dog. 
uh, health issues, there are controversies, you spay and neuter, you don't, your pet, your choice, all of that. But uh, being studying dog psychology, imagine uh, being in an excited state uh, for 90% of your life and not being able to uh, express that excitement. So, and then it gets manifested in different reasons. So you have aggression, you have uh, uh, source guarding, you have uh, self-claiming, all of these words that are used, which are so big. Actually, it's nothing. nothing yeah. There is just, your dog has no boundaries. He's been spoiled. And you have associated him as one of you, as a human, which is the biggest disrespect you can give an animal. And that's a very growing trend. Humanization of pets is a very, very growing trend. And we, I, I mean, we see it every single day. My son, my this, life is... Remote. Oh, that's all all right. That, you I, can have that attachment, but don't forget to respect that this is a dog. If you are going to that's exactly. not have those boundaries, he is not going to... You have someone who's confused. He's not a bad dog. So when you see a golden retriever, which is supposed to be such a friendly breed turns around and bites like, you know, another dog in the dog park. People are in shock, you know, or you always expect uh, something what we call dangerous breeds. But I've met some of the calmest They're dangerous the breeds, sometimes. <laughs> you know, the Green Danes and the Malinois and, and your shepherds and your Rottweilers. And you have a mad chihuahua that is going to rip your ankle apart because we are carrying them. You're giving them a status close to you, you know. All of that, I mean, so I think buying a dog today or buying a breed dog today has become a status symbol. That is true. Even the, someone who is working in your home, I don't mean to sound, uh, uh, you know, put them in a lower status or anything. It's to do with affordability. You cannot feed that dog the food he needs. You cannot vet the dog the way he needs to be vetted. You cannot groom the dog the way, the way he, needs he needs to, to be, be groomed. groomed. Yeah. So when your pay scale is is 5,000 rupees a month and you've gone and got a shih tzu from a, from a, you know, a local a illegal breeder, place yeah. or somebody has given it to you and you're having her have puppies, you know, and selling those puppies in your little, wherever you live. I don't want to use those words either. But what I'm saying is that has become a huge trend. They will get something to show their aff affordability when in actuality you can't you afford can't. that dog. And then he comes, you know, with major skin issues, ticks falling off, uh, you know, all kinds all of, issues. Kind of issues and they come, they give you a wrong address or they leave him on the street. I mean, I remember we had a case. Um, I mean, I've had multiples last few months, few years. Um, Labrador, right? Um, no, okay. Now he's staying with me for the last five, five and a half years. I'm taking full response. I mean, he was actually the first pet I adopted. Um, and it took me about a year to realize, literally a year to realize that he was abandoned. Because uh, the owner was in touch with me. Uh, we are having a conversation. He's transferring minuscule amounts of money. And and he's boarding with me. About a year later, I'm picking up the phone and saying, when it actually hits, that, hey, this guy is never leaving. Um, and I kind of asked him, and I said, 
do you really want this dog bag or not? And he's like, no, I don't want him. Aap rakh lo. Oh my God. Yeah. I said, for one year, you have been taking me around. You couldn't tell me that earlier? I mean, now the pet is with me for five years. We've grown attached to him. Now I'm like, forget it. I'm keeping him. But the thing is, this whole trend of getting a pet and uh, then realizing that you can't really afford it or to take care of it. Yeah. I mean, I have recently, I've had a case where I have a mastiff that's left at the center and uh, he's signing the papers off to me and then he's sitting and talking to me saying, should I get a cane corso? I was, I want, I don't know what I wanted to do to him, but yeah, I, I wanted to do so many things to him. I'm not going to say it now, but point being is um, then you have people like this that you're dealing with and you're looking, I'm looking him point blank in the face and I turned around and told him, I said, dude, don't you don't deserve any animal. Do yourself a favor. But did you, don't you ever want to ask them just to know what is that thought process that you have got a, a beautiful dog in your life? Yes, he's a mastiff. You have left him and then you're signing the papers off to somebody. And then you're asking about another breed, you know, a cane corso, that should I get one? Did you ask? Like, I did. I did ask him. And I was like, he's like, no, I, I, so he was supposed to go to my farm, but now I'm not going to the farm. So I said, where are you going to keep the cane corso? He's going to be bigger than this fellow. And so he's like, no, I was just thinking, I'm just thinking. And, and this is a random reply they actually have. They don't have like a concrete thought process that has actually gone through what words are coming out of their mouth. And it is about just, oh, I'm just thinking. I remember, I mean, we were just having that conversation sometime back, right? Um, I've started to have calls where they, pick up the phone and call me at the center and they go, Humko ye dog nahi chahiye. Kyun nahi chahiye? Nahi, abhi baut aggressive ho gaya. Ata, kyun aggressive ho gaya? Nahi, bas nahi chahiye. Lekar jau na. I said, mein kaise lekar jau? You know? Yeah. Nahi, toh mein sadak pe chhod dunga. And then when the thought of it, yeah. when they turn around to tell you that, I'm like, okay, listen, don't leave the pet at the, on the street. I'm giving you a few numbers. You know, call them up. How do you put a stop there? Because there's so many coming out now that forget your Indies. We will do the sterilization drives and, 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 and you know, control, control the population of the Indies. But then what's going to happen to these? So we have now so many organizations, shelters that only take the large breeds because no one, no one has place for them. You know, I have a dear friend who's, uh, takes in, every dog that requires and he can at that time but he basically has so many large breed dogs he says Nikki where do where do they go exactly so when someone comes he says ha you have these breed dogs but they are they are the regular strays today they are left on the damn road whether it's a great dane or it's a it's a mastiff we had a we had a blind mastiff that was left tied up to a pole coming to um we're seeing this growing trend where societies nowadays are banning pet owners or not letting you adopt a pet. And as per law, you actually cannot do that. Um, I mean, I have had a recent case where they actually didn't let me go up. I was just visiting. With your dog? With my pet. 
they didn't let me go up and they said nahi dog hai asa mera hai nahi so at that point of time i knew i said boss on no grounds you can actually stop me no. correct yeah but fine if this is how you're going to be so i had like three security guards in front of me not letting me enter they're not even letting me enter the lobby so at that point there was a the sense of like you know what that infuriation that's like of course how can you but see that is a reaction that we all go through exactly you know there's a saying count 10 and then speak yeah so at a point like this maybe you have to count 3000 and you still won't be able to speak correctly no but then like you know i remember i had a case where i mean i had a client um where she actually was boarding with me for about a few months because um, she was not able to take her pet home it's her pet the society was not letting her take her pet home because she was staying in a rented apartment the tenant didn't have a problem but it was a society creating a problem last thing i want to ask you is um india being such a big populous country um and somewhere we're losing that coexistence value that um every species is there and it is their right to be here and it's the necessity of every species right right and somewhere i feel that that coexistence that compassion towards your different species that are available is completely getting lost and can we inculcate that back are we should we or shouldn't we otherwise we are leading towards a disaster disaster so you know when they say the human race i always look at it as the picture that comes into my mind like i have um caricatures for everything it's the way i think <laughs> so when you when i ha- i see the word human race or i think about it i just see them racing off a cliff i swear and it's been there for a very long time in my mind you know when you when someone says oh the human race is this and the human race is during it has changed from let's say birds in the sky to jumping off a cliff literally but that's my perception with my experiences which i choose to ignore because i still have faith you know i still have that hope and i still feel more people like you or or more um communicative platforms that we can get together um to put it out there that your personal dislike cannot overtake another sentient beings that being is there. that is so beautifully put and i love your caricature actually i yeah. love your caricature and 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 when you actually said it it's something that i just had a visual of oh, yes and yes. it is something that we're doing okay. it is a uh, just a curious question when you saw this jumping off the cliff uh, a caricature was it a man or a woman it was just people it was yeah, just figurines whole lot it, of it, it was just figurines that and and the, and it was not about their standing there and jumping okay. it is about them going and going thup yeah they're just going flat out, out. and they, and it is they do not have the sense or the power that they can actually hold themselves back Correct. it's like law of gravity taking over yes, right yes. so you're going towards the cliff and i mean you, you drop you just drop down yeah. and that's what's kind of and it's beautifully put yeah. uh, that we are running off a cliff yes we are uh, actually creating on our own on our own yeah so but the the beauty of what i see today is if you are seeing so much hate out there for the animals for the street animals 
uh, you're also seeing um, a protective arm uh, that has become a fist, that has become multiple hands, you know, and that are standing ready to protect. May not be ready to fight against that hate, but they are definitely there to hold on and protect, which is, I see it all the time, you know. So the uh, balancing effect, I think, has somewhere even started, right? So when you course, have something of happening, you'll always have the counter for it also of coming course, in preparation. Of course. So somewhere I feel we talk about karma and, you know, what you do comes around. For me, I'm energy based. It's like electricity, you know. I mean, I'm alive today and it's boom, it's gone. Even the soul for me, uh, Puja, is something that cannot be de deconstructed into nothing. So whatever form you last lay in, always comes. And I don't mean comes in a live form. I just means it still lives. I mean, if you burn me and put me in the ocean, there'll be a fish that'll eat me, will poop me out somewhere. There'll be a fern growing underwater. I don't know, you know, some kelp growing underwater. I don't know. There's so many ways and forms of looking at it. But while you're here, you know, even if you can punch in one little dent by saying you did this for one person or for, for one, one living being, is something that makes you go on to the next. Because it's, like I said, the power to receive is as great as the power to give. So when you, when you are able to recognize that, when you're able to feel that, it just makes you a strong person, I guess. And your strength always comes into different forms for the voiceless and for the helpless. That is true, actually. That's, that's very wonderfully put in terms of we are seeing that strength coming through. We are seeing people making the efforts. We are I mean, look at yourself. You have opened up a place where, where there are so many people who are buying dogs that are way above their, their skill sets to maintain, uh, to train, to do anything, to invest time in, to invest any energy in. And they just come and we need people like you. Because it's not only, I mean, as much as we love our Indies and our street dogs and, and everything, but it doesn't mean that you can choose. You know, a dog is a dog, whether he's, uh, you know, a cane corso or a Tibetan Mastiff or he's, uh, you know, uh, a, 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 a sweet little Indie puppy born, uh, you know, under your office building. Basically, it's, it's life. So if you open one door, for X, you're still saving quite a that bit. entire X. Yeah. You know? yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Thank you, Niharika. It was wonderful chatting with you. Absolutely. Thank Likewise. you so much for coming. Likewise. I'm, I'm privileged to be here today. It was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I've been... Yeah. I've been um, Wanting I, to get together. I mean, it's been ages, right, yeah. that we've been trying to get together. So, but we finally did and for what a beautiful what a purpose... Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. So God bless. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you.